We're continuing in our series called Back to the Future Generations, where we're looking at how it is that we as individuals um, interact with and seek to bless and serve generations different than ours. And so today we're looking at uh, our interaction with kids. Uh, In a couple weeks we'll be talking about uh, elderly and those in our community, especially our aging parents, things like that. But today we're looking at kids, and I got a couple of quick things for you. Uh, Out in the lobby, as you walk through, there's a a list of suggested resources with some books and uh, different uh, ministry opportunities available uh, related to this series. I'd encourage you to pick that up on your way out. Uh, We want to not only uh, engage the mind and the heart, but also the hands and the home. And so as we think about how to put this into practice, I hope those resources uh, will be a blessing to you. Also, uh, coming up, we have a uh, panel. It's a Family Manners uh, panel. And it's coming up uh, on the 25th of June. So we're going to be, throughout the series, bringing up a lot of stuff uh, that's uh, frustrating or intense or overwhelming as we think about how it is that we bring the gospel to bear on our relationships with those of different generations. And so we want to be a help to you. And so we have this panel set up uh, June 25th, 4 o'clock. It'll be here. Uh, Excuse me, 25th at 4 o'clock. Yeah, it'll be here. And we're going to be talking through uh, real practical things. So there's a lot of Q&A. There's going to be a lot of discussion time because we want to make sure that the questions that you have that are uh, being brought to bear on your heart, that we can help provide some answers uh, to you for those. Also, for those of us that aren't followers of Jesus, and I know that some of us here today aren't Christians, and you are more than welcome to be here today. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, But I want to encourage you in this. You're going to be able to eavesdrop on uh, those of us who are Christians, our view of how it is that we bring the gospel to bear on uh, working with and ministering to kids and parenting and things like that. And I want to encourage you to think about this. Everyone's worldview their belief about the world, shapes how it is that they engage with different generations. It shapes how they engage with children. So if you're a parent, your worldview is going to shape what you think is best for your kids, what you think is best for other people's kids. And if you're a, if you're a person in a community with children, of which we all are, your worldview will impact uh, how you view success and failure, flourishing and destruction as it relates to children in this community. And so I want to encourage you as you eavesdrop on, uh, for those of us that are Christians, we're going to be talking about how our worldview, the gospel, shapes that. Because we all have an opportunity, we all minister to kids. We all influence kids to one degree or the other, for good or for bad. We all influence kids. Some of us think, oh, you know, this is just a parenting series, and and I don't really need to pay attention to that uh, because I don't have uh, my own children living in my home. And I want to encourage you that we all influence kids, all of us. Uh, I was uh, at a meeting, and one of the, uh, the speakers was sharing how one of the most influential people in his daughter's life was not him, it wasn't his wife, it was his wife's uh, single and without kid best friend. And the reason was is that she had basically been like an aunt to uh, his daughter, and had, so his daughter grew up kind of seeing, you know, aunt so-and-so, and, and, and she was kind of an adopted aunt. And, and when she got to be a late teenager, maybe 18 or 19, she was single. She hadn't had any uh, boyfriends or girlfriends at the time, and so she's struggling or wrestling with what it is to be single an adult in this culture, to be a single woman in this culture. And mom wasn't a big help because mom had been married for years. And dad wasn't a big help because he's dad. He doesn't have a lot to help the 19-year-old single woman 
But you know who did was the mom's best friend and had become very close with this man's daughter. And he said, you know, she was able to bring the gospel to bear on my daughter's life more than I could, more than my wife could, really more than it. God had specifically wired her to minister to my daughter. We all have an opportunity to influence and minister and to serve kids. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent, whether you're a single parent, whether uh, you share custody, whether you're an aunt or an uncle, whether you're an adopted parent, we all have an opportunity to influence, minister to, and serve children. But for those of us with children in our lives, which, by the way, if you're a part of Desert Springs Church family, you have children in your life, I want to encourage you to consider that the children that you saw here, the children who are a part of our church family, they are a part of your family. When we do baby dedication, how many of y'all seen a baby dedication at Desert Springs? When we do baby dedications, we do two things. Number one, we pray for the baby and the family, and then we pray for us as a church family, and we usually pray things like this, Lord, help us as a church family to discern how you you would have us, as the church family, minister to those kids. And so if you're a part of the church, what, family, you've got kids in your orbit. You've got kids that you can minister to. You don't have to be a volunteer for Splash Camp to be able to influence the lives of children within this church family and within this community. But for those of us that engage with kids, we don't need advice. I'm going to ask, uh, for those of you that are parents, and maybe uh, if, you've, if you've had a kid in the last 10 years, since, the, uh, since Facebook has become ubiquitous, are you starving for advice on how to parent your kids? Are you like, man, I wish anybody would give me some advice? Are you starving for advice? Come on now, talk to me. No, the, the, the minute you have a kid, the minute you, somebody finds out you're pregnant, it's like, hey, I got something for you. We don't need advice. We need a foundation. And, and I want to put my cards on the table. So I've got a seven-year-old uh, who is just up here beautifully singing. Uh, I have a five-year-old who is just up here engagingly performing. And I've got a one-year-old who is somewhere. And I'm not here to give you my best practice, Pastor Kayla's best practices for parenting, because frankly, I don't know if it's working. <laughs> We're going to need about 20 more years to figure out if what I'm doing is worth sharing with anybody. So I'm not going to get up, I'm intentionally not going to say, hey, this is what we do, and this is, you should follow me. I, I, I don't know. And I would, I would strongly encourage you, if you need practical advice, you should find someone uh, who seems to have done a good job and then just ask them. That's what my wife and I try to do. We usually disregard their input, but because um, <laughs> we think we're better than everybody else. But what we need isn't advice or 14 best practices. What we need is a foundation, especially in a world of chaos. Do you think that children today experience chaos in the world? Are they exposed to it? Come on. Yeah. What about in our community? You don't have to answer this one, but what about in our homes? Some of us are like, shh. What about in ourselves? In the midst of chaos, in our community, in the world, in our homes and within ourselves. In the midst of chaos, what we don't need is advice. What we need is a foundation. And I hope today to point you to that foundation. I know no better foundation than the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we'll put it up here on the screens. Jesus says this, after rising from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death, he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I know some of us aren't familiar with the Bible, and that's totally cool. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're learning. I'm glad you're engaging with it. But if you maybe are familiar with this passage, would you just show me your hand that you've heard this kind of thing before? Jesus say this before? Yeah, okay, so many of us. So usually when we hear Matthew 28, like, go make disciples, what we think of is our neighbor across the street who has yet to know the Lord, or or the, the culture over there in the mission field. We think about all the nations. We think about taking the gospel. uh, being disciple makers out there, but rarely do we look at Matthew 28 and think about the kids in our lives. Jesus says, go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations, of all people groups. The kids in your life are contained within that sphere of all peoples. You follow me? I know sometimes kids don't seem like peoples. 3 a.m. kicking me in the head trying to wake me up to see if they want to snuggle. I don't want to snuggle at 3 a.m. I want you to go to bed. They're in that sphere of peoples, right? And so when we think about, for those of us that follow after Jesus, when we think about one of our primary responsibilities as it relates to children, for those of us with children in our life, we are making disciples. Now, here's the jam. You are making disciples of the children in your life. It's just, who are they being a disciple of? How are you discipling them? What are you pointing them to? How are you shepherding them? And I want to encourage you in this, that the goal of our engagement with children, for those of us that are parents, our goal in parenting, for those of us that are grandparents, our goal in grandparenting, for aunts and uncles, our goal for engagement with children is flourishing and joy in Christ, to point them to their ultimate flourishing and joy only found in Christ. It is not, the ultimate goal of our engagement with children is not behavior modification and college. Obey me, go get a degree, I'm done. Right? I mean, many of us are operating under the idea that our role as influences and kids is stop doing that, don't do that, be a good boy, be a good girl, Santa Claus is watching, behave, 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 and go to college. Make something of yourself. Get a house, get a spouse, two and a half kids, and a golden retriever, and a boat, and then you'll be somebody. We have, okay, so check this out. Our role, for those of us that follow after Jesus, if you don't follow after Jesus, you've got to figure this out on your own. But for those of us that follow Jesus, we are investing in and raising citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not slaves to the American dream of consumerism and materialism. You follow me? We are investing in and raising citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not slaves to the American dream of consumerism and meism and individualism and materialism. We're making disciples. We're pointing them to Jesus. Or we're pointing them to another Savior and another gospel. We're pointing them somewhere. The goal is flourishing and joy ultimately found in Christ, not behavior modification in college. Now check this out. You can't make kids Christians. Ultimately, like we can 
try the behavior modification thing all we want. We do need to teach our kids ethics and morals and right and wrong. We have to do that as a community and for those of us that are parents as parents. But you and I, we cannot fix what's ultimately broken with our kids because what's ultimately broken with our kids is a wayward heart, a heart in rebellion against Jesus. And the only one who can fix that is Jesus. But what we can do is point them to Jesus. You follow? There are some of us who, who have within our lives rebellious children. Some of us have adult children who are rebellious. And let me encourage you in this. Jesus Christ gave the parable of the prodigal son and did not, as best as I can tell, blame the parents for the rebellion of the son. It seems that the son was just rebellious. It was, it was within his heart. Jesus does not put the blame on the parents. In fact, you seem to see, and he only speaks of the father, but he seems to be elevating the father as if he's doing a good job. Do you follow me? So listen, for those of us who are with rebellious kids, especially for those of us who have adult children that are rebellious, I would strongly encourage you, think in terms of decades, not days. Think in terms of decades, not days. And what I mean by that is, you're gonna be hearing things, you're gonna be feeling things, and think, think about the long play. What's the Lord got in mind? That prodigal son was gone for more than a couple days. Pray and give it to the Lord. But finally recognize that ultimately they are the Lord's. We make disciples of the children in our lives. Uh, there's a, a, a website, it's a satirical website called the Babylon Bee. It's kind of like the onion. And um, it's sometimes funny. Uh, I saw this article that I thought was uh, appropriate. Father of three wonders when he'll get chance to influence others for Christ. So I want to talk to just the parents who've got kids in your home right now. If you're praying, Lord, show me who you want me to invest in. Who should I be discipling? Who should I be nurturing? Who should I be blessing? And if there's children in your home, there's your answer, for starters. Maybe other people as well, too. But if there are children in your home, God is calling you to make disciples of all nations, including the ones that live in your house. For those of you with grandchildren, nieces and nephews, if we're wandering around wondering, who, who, who should I invest in? Who could I invest in? You've got a great opportunity as you consider the children in your life. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. It should be a part of life, investing in children and teaching them about Jesus. But moreover, we point to Jesus and how we think about our children. I want to talk to just the parents for a minute. Do you know that there's a difference between ownership and stewardship? Ownership is, this is mine. Stewardship is, this has been given to me for a season for me to uh, steward or to use or to invest in. We talk about stewardship with money, that money is ultimately God's. He gives it to us to use for a season for his glory. Children, okay, so we do this thing. We say, whose kids are those? And the parent's like, they're my kids. Or when my kids are uh, misbehaving, I look at Lori and I said, your kids <laughs> are causing problems in my house, right? When we, when we talk about our kids, we say they're my kids. And, that, and I'm, I'm not down on that. I mean, I'm going to keep saying it as my kids. But one of the things that we get a little bit um, uh, cross-wired is this idea that they're mine and that that no one else in the universe has a say. 
But ultimately, they're, I mean, every kid, I mean, the scriptures teach that every kid is a gift from God. They're ultimately God's kids. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're yours to steward for a little while. Stewardship, not ownership. You don't own your kids. And this is why it's important for us to recognize, I'm going to talk to the parents for a minute. There's a reason at Desert Springs, at least for this season, why we do not um, call anybody a children's pastor or a student pastor or a youth pastor. I'm not down on that, but for us, for our church family, the reason we've chosen to do that is to, we don't want to mislead anyone into thinking that the primary pastoral responsibility for those kids rests here within this organization. The primary pastoral responsibility for your kids is you. You want to know, so you got a teenager, you want to know who the youth pastor is? You. You got kids, you want to know who the kids pastor is? You. We get them, I mean, if you're, listen, if you're one of the three people that are consistently attending every week throughout the year, (laughs) see what I did there, I got you, I got you, I got you so good. Uh, if you're, if you, even if you attended every Sunday out of the year, we get them for 90 minutes a week. How long do you have them for? You're the primary pastor to your kids. Don't abdicate that responsibility to somebody else. Now, you feel helpless. You feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, don't know who to, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to navigate this conversation. A, welcome to the club. Me neither. And B, God has put us together as a church family with people who have gone before us who can speak into our lives. That's why he calls us a family. We not only point to Jesus, but we also model Jesus. Acts 1.8, we can put it up on the screen. Acts 1.8, this is Jesus speaking. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You will be a witness to Jesus. If you follow after Jesus, you are a witness to him. Regardless of what you believe, you are witnessing, you are bearing witness to some worldview, to some ultimate truth. The words you use, the actions, the decisions, it's all bearing witness to somebody or something. And Jesus calls us to bear witness to him everywhere, including in the, in the lives of children that are in our life. This means we lead by example. You know, children, they see you before they hear you. You guys know that? Actions speak louder than words, that whole business. How you and I use power and influence, it bears witness. How you and I use our words bears witness. Bears witness to one gospel or the other. Are yours bearing witness to Christ, the risen Savior? Gossip and slander bear witness. Yelling at the TV bears witness. Speaking poorly or slanderously about public officials at the dinner table, it bears witness. Cursing a coworker, it bears witness. Who are you bearing witness to? How are you discipling the children in your life? I want to speak just real brief. For those of us who are divorced or have uh, dual uh, custody or custody issues or, or, or there's, some, there's pain there, number one, I want to say that there is healing, there is peace, there is security in Christ Jesus. 
There's reconciliation there too. But I want to encourage you with this. If, there, if, if you're in, in, in one of those situations where there's some custody issues or there's some frustration with the other spouse, I want to encourage you in this. Complaints go up, not down. Complaints go up, not down. You have within your power the ability to demonize and destroy the reputation of the other, of the other party, I'll say. Moreover, complaining down won't help you. It may make you feel good. What I mean by complaining down? Complaining to your kids about the ex? Maybe even complaining to those around you? Complaints go up, not down. And here's what I mean by that. There, there, there likely is injustice. There, it's highly likely that you have been wronged and that it's righteous to be angry. But the complaints for that don't go down. They go up to the Lord, the only one who can handle it and the only one who can bring you peace about it. If you read through the Psalms, the, 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 many of the Psalms are people who have experienced injustice raging, crying out, God, where are you? God, where are you gonna, what are you going to do about this? God, bring about justice. That's the right way to do it. The wrong way to do it is at the dinner table with your kids, be like, hey, what'd your dad do this week? You know, your mom, you know, your dad's new girlfriend, your mom's new boyfriend, they're nothing but, see, it's bearing witness. There's deep pain there, I know. And there's deep healing in Jesus. But our words, our actions, our decisions, it's all discipling the children in our life. Serving others is an excellent thing to do with children. So if you got grandkids, bring them along. You got nieces and nephews, you got your own kids, bring them along. We got a team that recently started up called Blightbusters, the city of Phoenix. We can put it up on the screen here. The city of Phoenix asked us if we could help. Uh, there are neighbors, so elderly and firm neighbors that we have here in our community that can't keep up with the work on their property. Maybe there's some damage to the property or some landscaping or things like that. And, and just kind of randomly, whenever it comes in, they'll call the church and as well as some other churches as well to have a team of people go out and do things for uh, that uh, uh, person or couple uh, because they can't do it themselves. And I want to encourage you, if you're interested in being a part of that, it happens we get the phone call about once every month, every other month. It just depends. Uh, there was an elderly couple just up the street that had a downed tree that they couldn't figure out what to do with and didn't have the finances to take care of it. So we we're uh, a part of that request to be able to uh, strive to take care of that. If you're interested in that, you can text your name to that phone number. You can do that right now if you want to. But for those of you with kids in your life, I would encourage you, one of the best things you can do to showcase a servant's heart is to bring them along with you as you serve. And so serving, how we use our power, how we use our time, how we use our energy, our resources, and how we discipline. You know, there's a difference between discipline and punishment, right? If you've been around kids, you know that they can rebel, right? Y'all with me? Um, if, if you've been around kids, you know that sometimes they're horrible people. By the way, we're all kids, so we're all pretty much horrible people. Um, and for those of us, especially those of us that are parents or in a parental role, we can say things like, your punishment is. And I want to push on that a little bit and say, no, maybe it would be better to think about it as discipline. Your discipline is. Discipline, discipleship, it's, it's, it's training, it's kind of guiding, it's directing. But punishment, I mean, Jesus says, uh, excuse me, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. 
punishment, justice, vengeance, these are not categories that a parent works in as it relates to their kids. You're not going to bring about justice for your child's rebellion. That's Jesus' job. What you can do in the short time that you have kids in your life is to discipline and disciple them in the way that they should go. The difference between discipline and punishment. We also do things like if I told you once, what? I told you a thousand times. How many times do I got to tell you to pick up the Legos? 70 times seven, I imagine. Here's the jam. We are called to minister to, shepherd, and disciple children in our lives by modeling the behavior of Christ. And let me ask you a question. How many times has Jesus had to forgive you of your besetting sins? Has he been patient with you? Has he been long-suffering with you? Has he been one who is always faithful? If he has, which he has, and we are to model that to our, the children in our lives, then the words, which I say all the time, how many times do I got to tell you, and if I've told you once, i told you a thousand times, okay. Could you imagine the Lord saying, if I've forgiven you once about this, I've forgiven you a thousand times. We disciple by modeling. And remember, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Pastor Rick shared that last week. Jesus never viewed children as a nuisance or a distraction. They're a blessing. And remember this too. Each kid is different. Just like you're different than like everybody else. The kid's just saying it a moment ago. We've been specially wired. There's nobody else like me, right? Not even a chicken. There's nobody else like you. I'm the only me there is. And with your children, the children in your life, it's the same way. Let me give a few cautions. Well, well first, actually, let me say this. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way shall, they shall go. Even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, that language speaks about this uh, unique path of each child, the way they should go, because every child is different, and every child has a unique path. And our role as uh, adults in the lives of those children is to help disciple them, to, 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 to point them to Jesus and that path that they should go. And so here, um, here, here's just a caution I would have for you. Don't fall into the trap of despair that is out there as it relates to, am I doing the right thing for my kid? Every kid is different. I, when, when Lori and I, when, when we had our first, I was exposed to um, the breastfeeding Gestapo <laughs> who made sure that I knew that if we gave our baby formula, we were the bane of the earth and really should just move. Then I was exposed to the formula fanatics who said, if you breastfeed and don't give them formula, you're starving your children to death. Might as well be a Canadian, they would say. It's miserable. <laughs> as my child aged and we started thinking about what school she was going to go to, the homeschool mafia appeared to let us know if we don't homeschool our kids, something's going to happen bad. <laughs> and then immediately after that, we were exposed to the public school power block, who told us, again, you don't want to go to public school? Canada. I mean... It, 
It was like you're a horrible parent if you don't do it my way. Then there's the helicopter parenting versus free-range parenting. I know, growing up, I'm pretty sure every Saturday my dad was a free-range parent. When mom would leave and I would be like, I can do anything I want. <laughs> hey, dad, I'm going to go buy a gun. Is that cool? Yeah, here's some money. Thanks. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> every kid's different. Let me encourage you in this too. Yeah, you've got your opinions, vaccinated, don't vaccinated, whatever. Unless it's the gospel truth, don't let it be something that breeds disunity in your life. Because that's also bearing witness. Here's one last one. Back in my day, So this gets said to me when I'm struggling with trying to figure out how to pastorally shepherd and raise my children. Well, my kid doesn't live in your day and my kid ain't you. I want to encourage you, for those of us that are kind of showering scorn on different people in our lives because they're doing it different than we did or than it was different than us, I mean, again, unless it's a gospel issue, ah, strive for unity and love, man. How are we going to do this, church family? How on earth are we going to do this? This is is difficult, right? Everyone feels great. We're going to go out. There's going to be kids around. We're going to be like, listen to those joyful little cherubs. (laughs) Then we're going to try to get them in the car. And everything I've just said, vapor. (laughs) So how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this when we, we have adult children that we're disagreeing with their decisions? How are we going to do this when our children are a disappointment or when we feel disappointed in ourselves? How are we going to do this when we're, in fur- we're just furious with our teenagers or our kids? I mean, how are we going to do this? Kids are great because they point us, number one, to ourselves. Every time my children rebel, whether I choose to receive it or not, every time my children rebel, they remind me of my own heart. In my children's rebellion, I see my own rebellion against my father. See, children are wonderful because they remind us of ourselves. You heard it in the video. Think I'm smarter than you. I'm gonna wanna do these things. I want, I want, me, me, me. How many times have I been that person? I want, I want, I'm smarter than you, I'm better, I've got it all together. My children's rebellion reminds me of my own rebellion. The children in your life, they're screaming at you, your need for the gospel. But children also remind me of who I am in Christ. For all who repent and believe in the gospel. And the gospel is this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That Christ loves you that he's died for you, he's given his life for you, and that he died, they put him in a tomb, and three days later he rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death, and he ascended into heaven, where he sits at God's right hand, and one day he will return. But until that day comes, all who repent and believe in the gospel, God the Father calls us son and daughter. For all who repent and believe in the gospel, 
You are a child of the king and creator of the universe. In the Great Commission, which we started with, Jesus says something so powerful, and I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray. And I want you to hear the words of Christ that conclude in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to just read it, and I would encourage you to simply listen. This is Matthew 28, 18 to the end. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. I am with you always, even into the end of the age. Jesus Christ is with you always in the frustrated moments, in the painful moments, in the despairing moments, in the confusing moments, in the disappointing moments, in the furious moments. He says, I'm with you always. You and I are children of God. And as we think about our relationship to the children in our life, if we are able to serve and minister out of that heart, not only will God be honored, but those children, as well as ourselves, I believe, will flourish and find great joy. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for all the ways that you provide for us. We're thankful for your word and your truth. We're thankful for your love for us that you call all who call in the name of the Lord sons and daughters, your children. As we think about how it is that we're to live out that gospel truth in our engagement with the children in our lives, Lord, we pray for your wisdom, for your strength, for your mercy and your grace, as we will not do this perfectly. May we ever cling to you, our God and King. Amen.